This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Majid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Since today we will be holding our annual Sangha meeting, I thought I'd begin by reading this quote from a story by Wendell Berry from The Wild Birds. The way we are, we are members of each other, all of us, everything. The difference ain't in who is a member and who is not, but in who knows it and who don't. Barry there is sort of writing in the rural dialect, his native Kentucky. where he's lived and been writing now since the early 60s. Trying to record and in some sense hold and maintain the picture of that life of community that is increasingly fragile. The character of the story here, Burley Coulter, is telling us that at some level, we can't help but be part of the community beginning with our participation in nature, in the ecosystem, the culture, down to the level of our relationships with our neighbors. There's a level of interconnectedness and interdependence that is just the way things are that we can't stand outside of that if we want to. And many of Barry's stories illustrate this kind of fundamental interconnectedness, interdependency on one another and on the land and on nature. But as this character says, some folks know it and some don't. Some can get caught up in an illusion of self-sufficiency, not recognize their dependence on others. Some can get caught up in imagining that 
nature or the land, the ecology is simply there as a given, a resource to be exploited, not something that we also have to take care of and be responsible for. You could say that in that context, those who know that they are part of the membership manifested through neighborliness. And what used to be called husbandry, caretaking, conservation, both attitude and action towards one another, the community, and to the earth. We don't unconsciously or passively take for granted the web of interconnection that keeps us alive. But we see that in some sense, we're called upon to keep that net in good repair, to tend and mend it in lots of little ways ourselves in our own lives and keep it functioning. Because in some ways, of course, all that interdependency is going to take place whether we are aware of it and are responsible for it or not. But when we ignore it, it's all too likely to come cascading down on us in a series of um, very unpleasant revelations about our ultimate vulnerability. When people ask me what they ought to read, I often will recommend uh, the books of Wendell Berry. I honestly think that instead of um, going out and reading the latest book by this or that teacher, you would do a lot better to uh, read a few novels by Barry, pick up a couple books of his essays, his poems. It'll teach you many of the same lessons and it'll help wash out those words like Buddhism and enlightenment from your mind. When we turn to the Sangha with this attitude of membership in mind, in some ways it's more ambiguous. And very often people ask me, how do I become a member of Ordinary Mind? 
how do I become your student? And in keeping with a theme we've developed over the last few weeks, we could think of these questions as koans rather than as problems. When we think of it as a problem, then we're asking, well, what steps do I have to take to become a member? What are the requirements? What are the rules? How do I become your student? What do I have to do? How often do we have to meet? What kind of relationship is that? And at the level of problems, there are answers. You can think of specific things that we ask of people as part of their membership. But when you approach it as a koan, you're trying to approach it from a perspective of non-separation. What does it mean to feel non-separate from a sangha, from me as a teacher? begin with the assumption of connection rather than disconnection. But there again, there's a kind of difference between merely being a passive recipient of what's going on, of tuning in, of listening to talks and so forth, versus being aware of your active participation, participation that isn't just about what are you getting out of it? Is this a good talk? Did I like that discussion group? But I like the particular people I was in the group with this week, or were they better last week? It goes beyond that sense of being a satisfied or dissatisfied consumer and having an awareness that your participation is what constitutes the Sangha. It's what the Sangha is. And to some extent, what the Sangha is, what the quality of the Sangha will be, will depend on the quality, the attitude of your participation. In many ways, it's remarkable how resilient the Sangha has been in the last couple of years in the face of the pandemic. When we started out, we didn't know if the Sangha would survive being online, whether that kind of connection 
would really feel like a connection, would be able to hold people together in their practice. When we meet in person, it's a lot clearer sometimes what membership looks like. Physically showing up, physically, personally interacting with one another in the Zendo and doing all the sorts of small tasks and chores that it takes to keep the Zendo going. Now that we've gone online, all of that has changed. Not entirely. A big part of our ability to continue is dependent on hope as resident, keeping the physical space intact and running, available for those who come. And there, even online, is a kind of symbolic center of everything we do. We've all had to find our own way and our own place in terms of maintaining a sense of belonging and connection and participation. Not just in terms of tuning in and listening, but in speaking up to me, to one another, so that this is an engaged, active process that we're doing together, not just something that sort of flows downhill uh, from me to you. In a very short time, we're going to finally be attempting to once again hold a uh, long in-person session, beginning of uh, July. I hope to see as many of you as possible there in person after all this time. I think it will be an important reaffirmation our practice and our connection to one another. And as we'll talk about uh, during the meeting, we've tried to do everything possible to make it financially possible for, for people to attend. The uh, center itself is not cheap. None of these places are anymore. But part of the way this online Sangha has held together and stepped up is that people who just sometimes for the first time connecting to ordinary mind have felt enough like members that they've paid dues. And those dues have given us enough of a financial cushion that we can afford to hold this session 
and not worry about making money on it, not worry about having to pay the bills. We have enough. It's what that money is for. And so we're not going to think in terms of making money or losing money or breaking even. We're saying we've collected membership dues from a lot of people for a lot of time. This is what that money's for. To enable us to practice intensively now together. So again, I encourage every, anyone who's thinking about it, uh, get off the fence. Make a commitment to showing up, even if it's uh, not for the whole week, maybe just for the weekend. But be there if you can. And uh, let us know uh, as soon as you can that you plan to come so we can uh, make plans for how many people are going to be there and what the arrangements are going to be.